pray for every person here that they can experience your love. I pray for them today to be their faith to grow. I pray for them to open their hearts to the reality that you are here with us and you are here pursuing them. I thank you for the opportunity to worship you and be with you. And Lord, I pray we just have a great time as a family. In your name we pray. Amen. Guys, can I have a seat? Uh, I'm Pastor Chris. It's uh, great to uh, see you. If you're your first time with us, thank you so much for uh, popping in. We hope you have a, uh, a great morning. We've been working on a series called Breakout, uh, dealing with the things that chain our heart and grab a hold of us. And uh, so we've jumped on bitterness, and we hit bitterness uh, part one last week, and we talked about how we kind of set ourselves up for uh, this bitterness because there's so many things that can offend us, and we walk through uh, how, how that goes, and we ended it this way by going, wait a minute, okay, we understand that. Okay, there's times that we feel hurt that we're not actually, somebody hasn't actually hurt us, we just feel that way, but they haven't sinned against us, but we, we feel hurt. What about when they've really sinned against us? What about when somebody's really done me wrong? What do I do? And so that's what we're jumping into today. Uh, bitterness, there's some key pieces to this you need to understand. Bitterness is, is when you become a debt collector, but you have no way of collecting the debt. You don't have the ability to collect that debt. You can't actually get it to be paid off. And so it includes some terms. Uh, one is that you have been uh, sinned against. Somebody's done something against you whereby they owe you something. The simplest one is when they steal from you. When they steal 2500 bucks from you, they owe you $2,500. When they've gossiped about you, then they owe you the damage that that has done. They've done that to you. They owe that to you. Then there's the word vengeance. Vengeance is the drive or the desire to collect the debt that is owed to you. In all human relationships, we have these factors going on. And in your relationships, you have these factors going on. Now, sometimes when we think about bitterness, we think of crudgy, bitter, mean old people. That person's bitter. But it actually doesn't always, that's the extreme cases. Lots of times bitterness is, a, is an everyday part of our lives. It's we've entered into a relationship, or we didn't enter into it, 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 it seemed to happen, whereby we never give the other person the benefit of the doubt. We're actually looking for them to fail. We're trying to find ways in which they blow it so we can use that to get them to do what we want them to do. It irks you when that person succeeds. It really irks you when something good happens in their life that they didn't deserve. It's just, it's irritating. And you constantly review in your head what that person did to you. If you've done it long enough, you reviewed in your head what that person did to you, and then the story ends with you somehow getting it back. Something happening to them. It goes on long enough, and you really do want bad things to happen to them. And when you hear bad stories, you're like, that's nice. That's good. That's the way it should be. I, uh, my oldest brother, um, was, uh, he was mean. He was four years older than I was, and uh, here's a couple of things that he used to do. We, uh, I grew up on a hog farm. In a hog farm, they have pits. Pits are where you store all of the manure. 
If you don't know what manure is, look that up on your phone. <laughs> it smells, it's terrible. And uh, he used to enjoy throwing me in the pit. Yeah, like not up to here, not up to here, not up to here. He would laugh. He thought that was the funniest thing in the world. But the, the worst and the, the smelliest things ever happened, I, I, I bet most of you have never experienced this. You probably have never experienced a, a truly spoiled egg, a rotten egg. But uh, we used to have chickens around, and so they would lay eggs, and we wouldn't find them, and uh, they would find them, him and his buddies, and they thought it was hilarious to whip those rotten eggs at me and uh, break and just, man, you couldn't get it off for weeks. Like It, it smelled terrible. And I developed this relationship where he owed me, but I could never get him to pay me back. And so then it, it grew to where it, it seemed like he was the oldest one, and so he, he left first. He was never there on the farm working. He was making his money someplace else, but he would come home and use dad's gasoline, and he used dad's this, and he'd use dad's that. And it just wasn't fair. He was just cheating us all over the place. And it, it, ruled, my, it ruled my life. I consistently had stories in my head, and every one of those stories, it ended bad for him because I was in the position of a debt collector with no way to collect the debt. I can't do it. And so I'm in a hopeless situation. It's hopeless. That's what bitterness is. Now, uh, oftentimes, and it's true, the antidote for bitterness is forgiveness. But today we're going we're gonna, we're gonna to learn all about forgiveness. And today's a little bit like uh, a, a college class. You're going to learn a ton of stuff. We're going to go through a lot of, of material today. I need you to hang on. I have to uh, erase a little bit from the first service. It's all right. You have no idea what that meant. All right. Here we go. Uh, a couple of different ways that we interact. Um, it's, it's interesting. The Bible talks about um, increase our faith, and we're going to walk through how faith and forgiveness are connected. So there's uh, three possibilities. One is someone has done you wrong, but they haven't asked for forgiveness. Another one is they've done you wrong, but they have asked for forgiveness. What do you do? And then the, the third one is when they've done you wrong, but they will not repent. They will not ask for forgiveness. So we're going to work through each of these and uh, see what we find out. Jesus is uh, interacting with, uh, with his uh, disciples, and um, we're going to deal first with, with they have not asked for forgiveness. So what do I do when somebody owes me, but they haven't asked for forgiveness? Uh, he says, so watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. Now, really important piece to this. This ties into last week. Again, if you didn't hear last week's or the week before message, get those two messages. Uh, it's really helpful to understand what we're talking about today. Really powerful uh, for your life. You want to identify, to rebuke somebody, you have to identify. Rebuke sounds really bad, right? Yeah, it sounds really bad. It's very accurate. Rebuke is, I am going to clearly communicate to you the exact sin you committed against me. Now, to do this, you have to eliminate your feelings from the sin. You have to identify what the sin is. So lots of times you just spew feelings. 
I feel, and you made me feel, and on and on and go. And, and the person doesn't actually, can't identify any sin that they actually did. It's not helpful. You need to identify the action that was wrong. Why? Because sometimes you find out, oh, they actually didn't sin against me. I'm just hurt because they didn't do what I expected. They didn't do what I wanted. Now, once you've identified the sin, you gossiped about me. And so I then almost lost my job or I lost my job. You owe me. But you go back to every single person and you tell them that what you said was not true. That's what a rebuke is. Make sure you clearly, this, for some of you, this will totally change your life. It'll change your marriage. If you stop blaming the other person for the way you feel and you be able to identify what the actual sin is and then be able to say, this is what you've done, this is what you owe me. He says, rebuke them and if they repent, Forgive them. Forgive them is, I am now going to wipe out the debt. You no longer owe me that debt. That's what forgive is. When someone forgives you of a debt, and you owe them $5, and they say, I forgive you, you don't owe them the $5. They're going to pay for it. They're going to make that payment. They're going to make the sacrifice for you. That's what forgiveness is. He says, if they repent, forgive them. Then he goes crazy. He says, even if they sin against you seven times in a day, who are you going to hang out with that sins against you seven times in a day? Right? Like, I'm out of here. No, no more. We're done. Three and a half. That's all you get. Right? Seven times in a day, and they come back to you saying, I repent. I was wrong. I owe you this. You must forgive them. The apostles responded in a very interesting way. They said, Lord, increase our faith. Wait, forgiveness and faith are connected? To be able to forgive, my faith has to grow? What? What is it that I would have to believe that I don't currently believe? What would I have to be convinced is true that I don't currently believe is true? What, what promise would God have to make me? What word would God have to give me that I would have to know that is true and act as if it were true that I don't personally do right now? Now, before we go any further, one of the very common things is that people say that forgiveness is hard. Forgiveness is really, really hard. Jesus doesn't say forgiveness is really, really hard. He says what he says next, which is little. Again, like, wow. He says, he replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed. So he confirms that what they said is true. You actually do need faith. You do need your faith to grow. He says, you need it to grow like as big as a mustard seed, which means your faith right now is, I don't know how much, you guys know how big a mustard seed is? It's not too much different than a sesame seed. It's tiny. If you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can say to the mulberry tree, be uprooted, plant it in the sea, and it will obey. You have the power. You literally have the power, physical power, to talk to a tree. Boom. Off it goes. So he doesn't say, no, 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 you're off base. He says, yeah, you're right. You're right. Because faith, this relationship with God, has amazing power. Because to, 
forgive. Like this really is a miracle. It's not human, it's supernatural. To be with somebody and they sin against you seven times in one day, and you wholeheartedly forgive them seven times in one day, you probably need to be a different person than you are right now. Your faith probably has to grow. And then he says, then he goes way off track. Now, you've probably heard, you need to forgive people because it's hurting you more than it's hurting the other person. Stop pointing your finger at the other person because one pointing at them and three and a half are pointing at you. And this other saying is actually true. It really is true. Uh, Bitterness is like drinking poison, hoping the other person gets sick. It actually does work that way. Bitterness really does you in. Not the track God takes at all. That is not, that's not the road he goes down at all. It's true, and you've seen it work out, but it's not what God says. It's not what creates supernatural forgiveness. He says this, suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep, and he says to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat. Will he say to the servant? Now, this little, this little piece here is a little tough for us. Because we don't see this relationship all that often. This relationship is a servant, a master, and a servant. A master and a servant. And he says to them, this, your servant, he's out there working, working all day plowing. He's working all day taking care, of, taking care of the sheep. Would you dare to say to him when he comes in, hey, great to see you, man. Come on in, pull up a chair, let's eat together. And you're going, yeah, that'd be, that'd be nice. That's because you don't understand the master-servant thing. No, it wouldn't be nice. They're like, no, that would never happen. There's no way that would ever happen. The, the, the servant doesn't eat with the master, and he doesn't, the master doesn't take care of the servant. The servant takes care of the master. He says, won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready, and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? Never. What? God's answer is? What's this story got to do with forgiveness? He, by the way, this has nothing to do with the message. It's just I can't, anytime I get a chance to talk about parenting, I just like to. If you're thanking your kids for obeying you, you're in trouble. That's out of whack. That doesn't work. What works is when the servant learns his place or his role in a relationship. What works is when your kids learn, no, obedience is what I do. It's not, I'm not doing you a favor by obeying. It's what I do. That's who I am. So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should you say, you should say, we are an unworthy servants. We've only done our duty. So what do you do? It's in my pocket. What do you do when you've not been asked? You offer. You offer forgiveness. But here's the crazy part. Why? 
because you are the unworthy servant of God. Because God told you to. It's not God told you to now interact with the command. It's God told you to now interact with God, who is your master, and you're the unworthy servant. It's a privilege to forgive because God told me to. That's his first reason. Ten years ago, there was a young man who... uh, went into an Amish uh, school, and, well, this is the article. Ten years ago, a gunman barricaded himself inside a one-room Amish schoolhouse near Lancaster, PA. Then he opened fire. Charles, or Charlie Roberts, killed five children, injured five others before killing himself. The Amish community responded in a way that many found surprising. They forgave the shooter, and in the years since, they have grown close to his family. As I, this is the mom talking of Charlie. As I turned on the radio on the way there, the newscaster was reporting that there had been a shooting at the local Amish schoolhouse. Terry Roberts tells her friend Dolores. By that time, I was at my son's home and I saw my husband and a state trooper standing right in front of me as I pulled in, she continues. As I looked at my husband, he said, it was Charlie. He said, I will never be able to face my Amish neighbors again. So these were people, the Amish and this guy, who already knew each other. They were neighbors. That week, the Robertses had a private funeral for their son. But they went to the graveside. When they went to the graveside, they saw as many as 40 Amish start coming out from around the side of the graveyard, surrounding them like a crescent. Love just emanated from them, Terry says. I... I do recall the fathers saying, the leaders of the Amish, I believe that I have, that I have forgiven. I'm sorry, not the leaders of the Amish, the fathers of the daughters who died. I believe I have forgiven, but there are some days when I question that. Why did they forgive? Because they were the unworthy servants. And their master had told them to forgive. So, when they haven't asked, I offer. What about when they have asked? Next passage is uh, another story, and this is Peter. He comes to Jesus, and I think he's probably already heard the story we just said, because he says this. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Seven times? In other words, that's a lot, right? Like, I'm, I'm I'm going overboard. And you need to understand for them, It really was going overboard. They lived in a culture that said, listen, when somebody does wrong, make sure you, make sure they pay for it. That's what life is all about. That's what righteousness is. That's what you do. So this idea that you would forgive seven times was like, wow, just way overboard. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. 77 times is really a way to say forever. Just forever. You just, keep, you just keep forgiving. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven, and he tells this story. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man owed him 10,000 bags of gold that was brought to him. It's like $100 million. It's, it's the amount of money you will never, ever make in this lifetime. 
If you do, <laughs> come see me. So uh, it's $100 million. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Whoa, that's not fair. Why does wife and children have to pay for it? Know this. Any sin you commit, the debt you have to pay, the people you love the most, they're the ones who end up paying for it. Happens all the time. You're like, no, it's just my sin. It's not fair that it impacts them. It always impacts them. It's part of sin. It's the way it works. He says, uh, be sold. <clears throat> At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. He's asking. He begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, about 10 bucks. hundred million, about 10 bucks. He grabbed him and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him. He asked him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged, went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? So if you're here this morning and you've never accepted God's grace, you've never accepted God's forgiveness. I don't mean you grew up and you went to church and you did your best. I don't mean that, hey, you try. I mean, you realize the sin you've committed the sin that's harbored in your heart, the sin that comes out of you on a consistent basis, you can't pay it back. You can't make it up. You can't try harder. There's no hope. And so Jesus came along and he said to you, I'll pay it for you. So he went to the cross. And I want you to understand, he did this for each and every one of you. He went to the cross for you. But you may be at the place in your life where you've never accepted it. Because it's very possible that you offer forgiveness to somebody, but they don't accept it. And Jesus has offered it to you, or he is right now. If you haven't accepted it, that's where you need to focus in this story. You need to focus as to whether or not you've ever accepted that amazing grace that forgiveness, his payment on your behalf. But if you have, how much did you owe? You know what's amazing? Not only did we owe a great deal, we just keep adding to the debt. You remember that seven times? Do you sin against God seven times in one day? Please don't answer that. I, I happen to already know the answer. It's yes. It's yes. 
Because sin includes every time that you know to do good and don't do it. So this huge debt that we owe to God. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. If you've been asked, then you grant it. You give it. Why? Because you have been forgiven millions and billions. The reason that you grant it is because you've been, God has poured grace on you. And so you pour grace on somebody else. So your faith has to increase about what? How much you've been forgiven. Your faith has to increase that you're the unworthy servant. To see that to be true, to know that to be true. The third one is, what if they will not repent? This is very important, guys. You may have heard and you may be living the life that says, look, somebody does you wrong, you just forgive them. Somebody does you wrong, you just forgive them. Don't, it doesn't matter if they repent, you just forgive them. There's a problem with that thinking. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus offers forgiveness to everybody. But when that person says, Jesus, I don't need it. I'm not that bad. I'm okay without it. I don't believe in you. Then it's not granted. It's not accepted. For some of you, you live this life. You have parents who didn't parent you. They lived their life the best, they would say the best way they knew how, but that's not true. They were mean. They were abusive. They loaded you with guilt to no end. They didn't prepare you for life. And whenever you try to talk to them about it, they excuse it or they blame somebody else. They just won't do it. They're not going to repent of it. Some of you have coworkers in this situation. They have cheated you repeatedly. They're not going to repent of it. They're going to push it under the rug. They're not going to deal with it. It's real hurt. What do you do with that? Do you, do you just forgive? No. Why? Because you can offer forgiveness, but they're not taking it because they won't admit they did it. So what does God say to do about that? This is in Romans chapter 12. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, for be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Live at peace Live at peace. This one's not actually possible. When someone is hurting you or has hurt you and they will not deal with it, you, you can't just go, it doesn't matter. You've tried this. Some of you are like 30 years old and you've tried it 25 different times in your life with somebody who hurt you. You keep trying to forgive them, but it just keeps coming back up. How come? Because you can't actually do that. He says, do not take revenge, my dear friends. Remember, the, remember the, how it works? There's this, they've done you wrong, and so they owe you, and so vengeance is to get them to collect. We're really bad. 
at revenge. It's not bad that you want them to pay for it. That's not bad. What's bad is you trying to collect. We're really bad at it. So this is what you do. You put it on a piece of paper. You can literally write it down. This is the sin. All right? This is what they owe me. This is the contract. You take this piece of paper over to God who says this. Do not take my revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. What? God, this is what they owe me. Get them. That's, that's what this passage teaches. Get them. Then you leave the debt with God. It's no longer owed to you. It's owed to God. He's got your back. That's how you deal with this, he says. He, he goes even crazier. He says, but leave room for God's wrath. Sorry, pop back. It is mine to avenge, our pay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Don't know what that means? It can't possibly be good. <laughs> Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It, the overcome by evil, the, that, that literally means they're trying to hurt you. and can be used for physically trying to hurt you. And the way that you're overcome by evil is when you go, I'm going to return it. I am going to outmaneuver them. I'm going to beat them. I'm going to win by force. I'm going to win by doing evil back to them. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It's proportional. They do this much evil to you, you do that much good to them. They do this much evil to you, you do this much good to them. They do this much evil to you, you do this much good to them. Now that's crazy. That's crazy. No, it's supernatural is what it is. You see, you'd have to increase your faith to believe, wait a minute, you're telling me that good trumps evil? I get that tr good trumps evil in the universe, but not in my world. God says, yeah, it does in your world. So how, how does this uh, faith thing work? Yeah, it's still in my pocket. All right. How's this faith thing work? This is how it works. There's you, there's you, and there's the other person. You will naturally focus on what the other person has done to me. So what am I going to do? How am I going to forgive? How can I come up with the power to forgive? Should I forgive? Did they really mean it when they, when they did that? What, 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 what do I do? Or you focus on yourself. God's given me this command to do. Am I going to do it or am I not going to do it? Should I do it? Should do it? How's this going to work out for me? I need to get out from underneath bitterness, so this would help me if I did it. So what should I do? You just interact with yourself. But there's a third person, and that's God. And when you interact with, I am an unworthy Sorry about you guys in the back. One day we're going to have video cameras and take care of all that. You're going to be able to see that. But I just wrote unworthy. When you interact with the fact that you're unworthy, and that's between you and God, that there's only two people in the whole universe, there's God and there's me. I don't care about the rest of you. Because if God has called me to do something, I am. he's my master. I'm his servant. That's all I know. 
If that's the case, then you can forgive and produce love that's supernatural. Same thing here. 70 times 7? Why? Well, you can interact with this person here, and you can interact this way. And when you, when you do, interact with yourself, interact with that person, forgiveness is hard. And you'll do it, and you'll take it back, and you'll do it, and you'll take it back, and you'll do it, and you'll take it back. It's hard. But when you realize that you've been forgiven of billions, and that you have been forgiven way more than what this person has done to you, you can forgive and have supernatural love. God, increase my faith. Forgiveness is between you and God first. Then them. This one over here, same thing. God has got my back. And because God's got my back, I am free to love this person in a supernatural way. It's awesome. Corey Tinboom tells a story about how she experienced this. Uh, take a look at this video. Source of our strength is Jesus Christ himself. And his cross shows us that we can accept suffering as a part of God's plan for this world. When I was in a concentration camp, one of the most terrible things I had to go through was that they stripped us of all our clothing and we had to stand. The first time was the worst. I said, Betsy, I cannot bear this. And suddenly it was as if I saw Jesus at the cross. And the Bible tells, they took his garments, he hanged there naked. And I knew he hanged there for me, for my sins. And by my suffering, I understood a fraction of the suffering of Jesus Christ. And it made me so thankful that I could bear my suffering. Love, so amazing, so divine, demands my life, my soul, my all. Some people are afraid to look at the cross. Are you? Don't be afraid. The cross is terrible. It is terrible how Jesus suffered. Not to describe. But you must not be afraid to look at it. For if you had been the only person in the world, Jesus should have suffered for your sins. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my sins rolled away, it was there by faith I received my sight, and now I have guidance every day. 
It was some time ago that I was in Berlin. And there came a man to me and said, Ah, Mr. Bohm, I am glad to see you. Don't you know me? And suddenly I saw that man. That was one of the most cruel officers, guards, in the concentration, in concentration camp. And that man said, I have, I'm now a Christian. I have found the Lord Jesus. I read my Bible and I know that there is forgiveness for all the sins of the whole world. Also for my sins. I have forgiveness for the cruelties I have done. But then I have asked God grace for an opportunity that I could ask one of my very victims forgiveness. And Fräulein Tambom wants him here forgiven. Will you forgive me? And I could not. I remembered the suffering of my dying sister through him. But when I saw when I explained that I could not forgive, suddenly I knew I myself have no forgiveness. Do you know that Jesus has said that? When you do not forgive those who have sinned against you, my heavenly Father will not forgive you your sins. And I, I knew, oh, I'm not ready for Jesus coming because I have no forgiveness for my sins. But I was not able, I could not, I could only hate him. And then I took one of these beautiful texts, one of these boundless resources, Romans 5, 5. The love of God is shed abroad into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. And I said, thank you, Jesus, that you have brought into my heart God's love through the Holy Spirit who is given to me. And thank you, Father, that your love is stronger than my hatred and unforgiveness. That same moment, I was free. And I could say, brother, give me your hand. And I shook hands with him. And it was as if I felt God's love stream through my arms. You never touch so the ocean of God's love as that you forgive your enemies. Can you forgive? No. I can't either. But he can. the person or the people or the group that you can't forgive, that you don't forgive, that you just keep interacting with yourself about it. You keep interacting with the other person about it. Keep interacting with yourself about it. 
Today's an opportunity to interact with God about it. Interact with He, who He is. Is He your master? Are you the unworthy servant? For a number of you, it just pierces your heart every time I say unworthy servant. Because you're like, that's right, that's me. That's me. I know that's true. From there comes the power to forgive. Because your master has said, forgive. For others of you, just remember, just look realistically at what God has forgiven you of. It doesn't compare to what they owe you. God has poured his grace out on you. It's impossible to catch God's grace and not then pass it on to somebody else. It's a principle that when you reject forgiving someone, you've actually rejected God's grace. Don't do that. I'm going to pray, and while we pray, I'm, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to ask you, don't follow my prayer. You focus on God. He's got your back. He's your master. He's forgiven you of billions of sin. Heavenly Father, I pray for each person here. You're so good. You are the source of a miracle of forgiveness. You are the source that could change us into the kind of people that love to forgive. Where forgiveness is actually easy. Because we are the unworthy servant. I am the one who was forgiven the hundred million. You do have my back. And Lord, I pray for each person to, to take this principle and not just, not just practice it right now. I do ask that they practice it right now. But this becomes a part of their life. Lord, keep bringing this up to them. Keep putting it in front of their hearts and their faces that they might be free. In your name we pray, amen.